May the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. For the Gospel, I use the short verses because those were the verses put in the bulletin, so uh, I can't be convicted of any any, uh, mistakes. Uh, Now, last week, in chapter 37 of Genesis, young Joseph barely escaped with his life from the attack of his brothers. Today, in chapter 45, it is half a lifetime later. Joseph has become the second man in Egypt, right after the Pharaoh. Archaeologists have evidence that the vizier, or prime minister, was called father, or and Lord of all his house. What a turning of tables for Joseph, who is in power now, while his brothers are here, desperately begging for food for the family of their father Jacob in a time of severe famine. It reminds me of an adage for the workplace. Be nice to people on your way up because you will meet them again on your way down. Even more helpful for everyday life is the daily prayer and Bible readings. Therefore, I commend to you the daily recitation of morning and evening prayer coupled with the page of the quarterly devotional Forward Day by Day, which was founded in the 30s, in another time of national trouble, international trouble, economically, and copies of which are here in Trinity Church. Even a portion of this daily practice helps us to put the Christian story and our life story in sync, showing us a pattern to both that gives us a firm foundation towards faith, hope, and love. The Old Testament readings that were introduced ten years ago for us and other mainline Protestant churches for the Sundays after Pentecost, remind me that it was the English Reformation that called for their use twice each day, I mean the Old Testament. And the articles of religion written at that time and printed at the back of the prayer book hint remind me, uh, hint in one place, the overarching unity of the scriptures. Even though the books of the Bible were written over a span of many centuries. For example, 
Joseph's brothers thought they were facing a hostile foreign official. The Canaanite woman and Jesus, likewise, were foreigners to each other. In both stories, unity overcomes division. At 8 o'clock, I noticed for the first time that St. Paul identifies himself as being in the tribe of Benjamin. And there is Benjamin in our first reading. Despite the fact that these readings in the Gospel were chosen on these particular Sundays separately and without any relationship to one another. And one of my personal and private readings of the Joseph story, the tense meeting recorded today brought to my mind, at the least, the last meeting of Jesus and his twelve men in the upper room on the eve of Good Friday. Both today's lesson and the Chronicle of the Last Supper are full of deep emotion. Joseph's revelation of himself to his brothers and Jesus's revelation to his disciples. Both are done in secret. Both have to do with food and both have a special clear member, dear member of the group. In today's case, it is Benjamin, the youngest son and Joseph's only full brother. And in the case of the Last Supper, there is the beloved disciple who leaned on Jesus' breast. Both involve fear and uncertainty and the dread of mortality. The brothers are afraid of how this official in Egypt will act and the disciples must finally have had a sense of foreboding about their safety in Jerusalem. Both incidents show a promise of salvation. Joseph promises, you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children. And Jesus promises, this is the new covenant in my blood, which shall be poured out for you and for many for the remission of sins. When we were able to see the relationship between the various parts of the Bible, the Old and New Testament specifically, we are reading the Bible thoughtfully. That means that we do not dismiss these old stories as legends from a long ago culture that cannot speak to us today. And what is even worse, we do not read these stories and congratulate them ourselves on how enlightened 
and progressive we are as children of the gospel. We are able to see God's plan throughout the history of God's people. In the same way, when we look back at our lives, our young lives in particular, we will not see merely childish foibles and adolescent excesses, but experiences that made us who we are now. The Church Fathers were very good at doing this, and I have been marveling at this lately, how they were able to apply to their preaching and writing obscure verses from the whole Scripture, even though they had to do, had to use hand-copied parchments, which were expensive and must have been a limited supply how they seem to have in their minds and at their fingertips a concordance of scripture long before the modern invention of computers. When we read Genesis or any other book written before the birth of Christ, we should read it as who we are, a member of Christ, and see in it the preparation for the gospel. Because the spiritual person does not put that much stock in coincidence. The spiritual person can look back and see the hand of God in his or her life and render thanks for divine providence. Usually, we see these connections only once in a while. Otherwise, we would scarcely be able to function as free human beings. For example, I made a ton of home visits in my early years after ordination. And I knew the names of the streets better than I do the streets of the city I now live in. But one visit stands out. It was a visit to a person who greeted my unexpected arrival in tears because she had just received some devastating news. These are like the angelic visits in the book of Hebrews. Occurrences like that do not happen all the time because God knows we are too weak to handle too many of them. This visit in fear and trembling by the sons of Jacob to their brother Joseph, the one they had treated so despicably, finally broke down Joseph's official self, even unto the shedding of tear, tender tears. When he invoked the name of God, actually said God, because in this particular narrative, the sacred name of God is not used at all. But he mentioned the uh, title God. 
the word God. When he mentioned God, then his brothers could finally breathe easy. Because until then, they were afraid that they would have to return to their father empty-handed, or even worse, be locked up in the Egyptian dungeon. When Joseph embraced his brother Benjamin, who had not been born when Joseph was rescued into Egypt, that was the outward and visible sign, the definition of a sacrament, if you will, that everything would be all right all around. Because all that had happened until then had been God's preparation for what was yet to be. But usually we ourselves can only understand this by looking back and most of the time it is we don't have the time or it is too painful to look back. Three separate times <clears throat> Matthew, Mark and Luke record that Jesus warned his disciples that he himself had to suffer and die but they were deaf only when he appeared to them in his risen self did they finally understand what had happened and why it had to be we should take the habit occasionally of looking back now and then when we have a quiet time even maybe take precious time and go on a retreat I still remember as if it were yesterday the retreat I took in Narragansett Rhode Island at the invitation of your rector and some of you may remember his name if you were a member here in the 70s but I remember it well we should examine at times like that where God has taken us to the point where we are today for otherwise everything will just seem like a series of coincidences without any higher meaning what we come up with will not usually be as dramatic as the tense meeting of Joseph in the palace with his brothers or the emotion in the humble upper room at the Last Supper but every soul is precious in God's eyes and we all have our own stories I learned recently that experts in preaching and I I could I could swear that I was never taught this they warn us preachers not to tell personal stories but it's too late for me to learn and I'm going to copy the copy what the writers of forward day by day do 
Years ago, one of my classmates asked me to prepare and speak at the memorial service for the deceased members of my 50th reunion class of the Boston Public Latin School. When I was at school, I was a minority, in a minority, in a minority. I was a non-Anglo-Saxon Protestant Episcopalian living in a very Italian East Boston. My two best friends were Roman Catholic, eager to get me to convert to what at that time and maybe even now some place in some places called the one true church and around us were a large member of Jewish boys and we're all male at that time before this was before the modern <laughs> the modern era My, they, these boys did not believe in making converts but I was curious, and I used to ask questions and gobble up as much as I could of their culture. And one time, I was honored by t being taken home by one of them who showed me their Passover dishes. Now, preparing that memorial service was one of the hardest professional things I have ever had to do. As I said to the Latin school boys, who were now aging men, the only time I had been on the stage of the school auditorium was when I received my diploma. And I could not foresee in 1958 that I would actually had been ordained and remain in ministry through thick and thin and eventually lead an interfaith service in the Catholic Chapel of Emmanuel College with a Jewish prayer and several Protestant hymns. I couldn't imagine that 50 years ago. In fact, I couldn't even have thought it would be possible. Now, Joseph could not have imagined when he was being assaulted and nearly killed by his brothers when he was at the age of 17, as we, as we heard last week that someday he would see them again as in his civil role of prime minister and in his spiritual role of savior. And the disciples did not foresee that the fearful and sad meal in the upper room would make them apostles and that meal would become 
the Eucharist for billions of Christians, souls over the ages, up until this year of our Lord, 2017. God is good, though oftentimes in our self-absorption and ingratitude we fail to acknowledge it and spend our time in prayer, in petition, a lot of petition, and not so much thanksgiving. This morning, as a body, we are making Eucharist, or Thanksgiving, together. So therefore, thanks be to God for all God's gifts.